Good afternoon, and welcome to the Middle East Forum's webinar and podcast series, Israel Insider with Ashley Perry. I'm Stacey Roman, and I will be hosting this discussion today. We are pleased to have Ashley Perry, advisor to the Middle East Forum's Israel office, join us here each week to update us on all the events going on in Israel. Mr. Perry will be giving us a briefing on current Israeli affairs for 15 minutes, then open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to type your question. And with that, I'll turn to the, the discussion over to Mr. Ashley Perry. Thank you, uh, Stacey, and good evening from Israel. Um, it's uh, back to politics as usual, as they say in Israel. We had uh, yesterday the swearing in of the new Knesset, 120 members, <clears throat> of course, uh, many Knesset members who did not return, um, and quite a few uh, new faces. Um, we also know that on Sunday, officially, the president of the State of Israel, um, Isaac Herzog, Bushi Herzog, gave uh, former prime minister, current leader of the opposition, Benjamin Netanyahu, the right to try and form a government from Sunday. Uh, he has 28 days, and we know that if he so needs it, there can be another 14 days uh, beyond that. Um, there was talk, as I mentioned last week, of trying to really hurry it through coalition negotiations and try and swear in the government this week, the same week as they swore in the Knesset. In living memory, I don't remember that ever happening. Um, it was either real optimism or just to try and hurry things along. Uh, I don't think... Uh, Netanyahu, after so many years at the highest levels of Israeli politics, would have been so naive to think that he could sort out all the uh, possible details of coalition negotiations in only a few days. Um, but there was this feeling that let's try and um, get the government going as soon as possible, get it moving, start legislating, uh, start the legislative agenda, uh, the incoming government, if that is what happens has quite a lot on their plates and they want to try and get it done. Um, but it, it's clear that it's not going to be so far. At the moment, coalition negotiations are stalling. Uh, some of the meetings that were meant to happen today between Netanyahu and his team and some of the other parties were cancelled. And basically, a lot of it has to do with the relationship today of Netanyahu and Smotrich and I would even argue with the US a little bit in the background, and I'll explain what I mean. First of all, as one Israeli commentator uh, likes to compare it, it's a bit of a Sudoku uh, effort by Netanyahu. He has to try and squeeze as many different players into different positions while keeping as many people happy as possible. Um, while most people think this is a quite an easy government uh, you know, to put uh, together, coalition negotiations should be relatively simple. At the end of the day, it's never simple because there are still uh, parties with different needs. And even if their ideologies do overlap and on some things they do and on some things they certainly do not, um, they still want to make sure that, you know, that they get their wins, that they get what they promise the public or at least part of the agenda that they promised the public during the campaigns into coalition negotiations. As I said, Netanyahu, uh, very much try to push forward this idea, let's just sort out ministries now and, and policies later. That was never going to work, especially with the parties which he's trying to form a government with because they have quite a lot of policies. They're very ideological parties, and especially after being in the opposition benches for a year, year and a half, 
they're raring to go, they're raring to overturn some of the things that were initiated or reformed in this current government, because up until there's a new government, even though there's a new Knesset, the current government continues up until there's a new one, a, 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 a swearing in uh, of a new government, and that obviously has to be a vote. It's not going to happen this week. It's probably not even going to happen next week. Uh, it depends. But basically, what, what's going on? Well, in Israeli politics, there are considered three major ministries. There's the finance ministry, there's the foreign ministry, and there's the defense ministry. Those are considered the top level ministries, obviously, apart from the prime minister's office. And at the moment, uh, Netanyahu is trying to form a government with four parties. Now, we know the United Torah Judaism, the Ashkenazi ultra-Orthodox party, uh, does not seek ministers. Uh, ideologically, they're against it. They're antagonistic to it. They do seek deputy ministers, but at the end of the day, they're not interested in one of those big three, really. Uh, they seek the all-important uh, head of the Knesset uh, committee, Knesset Finance Committee, where a lot of the deals are done on who gets what financially from the budget, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where much of the budget negotiations and decisions take place. That um, has been given to one of the leaders of the United Torah Judaism, Gaffney, for many, many um, terms when Netanyahu has been in government. And it's almost a certain that's where he'll return. So basically, uh, you have to give um, Batalo Smotrich, the leader of um, the Religious Zionist Party, which is made up of three parties, really, but he's the leader of a 14C party. And then you've got Shas, um, the leader, Arya Derry, who's the leader of 11. Seat. So basically, you have to really give Smotrich and Derry, this is the way the thinking has gone, and this is certainly the way that the two leaders are thinking, you have to give each one one of the two, uh, two of the three ministries. Now, foreign ministry, neither of them are particularly interested in, neither of them are particularly suited for it, neither of them have particularly good English. So really, the fight is between the finance ministry and the defense ministry. At the moment, uh, Netanyahu would love to have Ari Derry in defense and Batalos Motrich in finance. Now that makes little sense because Arya Derry has very little to say about defense issues. Um, in fact, most of his constituency, at least the ultra-Orthodox constituency, do not do the army. It's not really suitable for him, but it, get, it relieves him of a headache. Why? Because Batalos Motrich, who would also like to be defense minister, has been the subject, whether named or not, of warnings from the international community, most chiefly from the US. They do not like the fact that uh, uh, Smotrich and Itmar Bengvir, the leader of the Jewish power, Otsmai Yudit, faction within the Religious Science Party, uh, would get uh, powerful posts, especially on security-related uh, 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 ministries. Uh, Bengvir has sought from the beginning to have uh, internal security ministry, which deals mostly with uh, police and internal security issues, as opposed to the defense ministry, which deals with, you know, what goes on in Judea and Samaria, uh, you know, what goes with uh, potential conflicts and, and everything further afield, every, anything to do with the army. Um, but Smotrich, who would quite happily, and has said that he would quite happily sit in the um, uh, defense ministry, as I said, Netanyahu has been warned uh, openly, some less openly. There was even a leak from a meeting that he had with the US ambassador to Israel, uh, who did not name Smotrich, at least that's what the leak claimed. 
uh, but basically warning that you know the Americans would not really be able to deal with these uh, figures. So um, he very much wants Smotrich to take the finance ministry and Derry to take the defense ministry, but Derry basically will not take it and even had his board of rabbis um, say that uh, we expect him to be the next finance minister. And that's usually a play by Derry, considering he controls the rabbis rather than the rabbis control him to basically say that's the only place he's prepared to go on that level. So Netanyahu has a bit of a headache. Part of it is because simply at this point in time, the maths um, do not work out if he wants to please everyone. But also there's a feeling, especially after a meeting today, that there's something personal between them. If we remember a couple of weeks ago before the end of the elections, there was a leaked recording where uh, Smotrich was um, recorded saying it was me who didn't want Ram to join the government. Netanyahu was prepared to give them everything that Bennett and Lapid offered them. And he's a liar, the son of liars, etc., etc. I am sure that Netanyahu has not forgotten that. And it's probably made these negotiations a lot more terse. And perhaps because of that, he's quite happy to try and use the Americans as an excuse uh, to not give Smotrich uh, defense. Also, uh, Netanyahu would very much like to hold uh, defense, perhaps for your Gallant, a, very, a former senior IDF official who's a pretty senior member of the Likud. At the end of the day, I think it's less about that because, uh, as we know, uh, the major decisions on defense issues are made in the uh, defense cabinet, which is usually a smaller uh, government. You know, it's just uh, sometimes 10 or 11 uh, ministers. And usually uh, Netanyahu weigh, uh, weights it very heavily towards people he trusts. So while other people may vote otherwise, he knows he usually has the majority to ensure, uh, you know, if, if any, any important decisions are made. So I, I don't think it's really about wanting to keep an eye on what's going on in there because he's had Bennett as defense minister during his time. He's had Gantz as defense minister during that time, uh, during his uh, tenure as prime minister and uh, Lieberman. And I think even Barack, if I'm not much mistaken, many years ago. So he's been able to deal with people that he disagrees with who are more independent minded. Granted, none of those are as right-wing ideologically as um, uh, Smotrich, but uh, certainly, you know, it, it's very easy for him to uh, to basically fall back on the, well, the international community won't work with you, I'm getting pressured, et cetera, et cetera. Another interesting thing that's come up is perhaps former U.S. ambassador to is uh, Israel, ambassador to the U.S. Wondoma, uh, is being touted as perhaps foreign minister, the next foreign minister, and he apparently visited Netanyahu's office this week, which caused all sorts of um, speculation about that. As one can imagine, um, considering that seems like it's the only uh, major ministry left for Likud to then give it <clears throat> to someone outside of the Likud, members of Knesset outside of the uh, Likud list, someone who did not run in the primaries, uh, would certainly um, lead to a lot of dissatisfaction amongst some of the major players. Who would like to get their hands on such a ministry, perhaps like Amir Ohana, although he's now being touted as perhaps the Speaker of the Knesset, but certainly there'd be a lot of people who would expect that far over someone outside of the Likud. Um, what is also putting a bit of pressure on Smotrich is his partner, uh, Itamar Ben-Gvir, apparently did have a meeting with Netanyahu and has already managed to 
get some concessions out of him uh, on issues which are very important to him, especially uh, legalizing or maybe not legalizing, but uh, putting the uh, so-called uh, younger settlements, those settlements which are not recognized by Israel, um, you know, hooked up to electricity and water. That's been an ongoing issue. The right uh, will say, you know, some of these places are very, very small encampments on the top of hills, a few caravans, uh, but they basically work off the grid. Uh, Bengvir basically would uh, ensure, according to this agreement, that I think around 62 of them uh, would have access to water, electricity, and other amenities. Um, he got quite a few other concessions uh, that are very important to his people. Um, so again, we see Netanyahu trying to drive a wedge uh, between Smotrich and Ben-Gvir and also saying, you know, look how easy it is. You know, we can get things moving where there's a will. And it's definitely a message to Smotrich. Uh, Ben-Gvir is trying to play the person in the middle here by saying, look, you know, let's just sit, let's calm down, let's talk about this rationally, and we can get this done. Uh, but at the moment, there's certainly uh, quite a bit of bad blood uh, between Smotrich and Netanyahu. I'm sure at the end of the day it will be worked out because I, I don't see this falling. Neither side would want to be blamed having to go to another round of elections or uh, for them, which would be even worse, is potentially giving someone on the, in the current coalition on the centre, centre-left, uh, a chance to form uh, a government. However, I should say at this point that all is not so well on the other side of the aisle either. The current government, uh, which will soon be in the opposition if all things go well for Netanyahu, uh, is also not really seeing eye to eye. There's a, there's a bit of a fight between Gantz and Lapid. Lapid uh, held a meeting with the leaders of uh, his camp, um, the, the, as I said, the current government, the future opposition, and we saw noticeably that uh, uh, Gantz was not there. Um, and it's clear that Gantz is pretty much does not feel beholden to uh, Lapid in any way, shape or form, especially now that uh, he's no longer going to be prime minister. It came to a head today because they're starting to vote on the uh, chair, the temporary chairs of various committees in the Knesset. We've spoken about this a few times in the past, but basically before permanent chairs are voted on for those few weeks, especially while negotiations are going on, uh, some of the committees, like the Finance Committee, the Knesset Committee, et cetera, et cetera, have to be filled not only by chair men or women, but also filled uh, the, the committees themselves. It appears that Gantz made a deal with the current opposition future government, the right wing, to make sure that they got a, uh, a chairmanship of a committee. Uh, and also Ahmed Tibi, uh, if one can believe, seemed to also make a deal with this right-wing uh, government because uh, he was given um, the position of deputy chair of Knesset. There's a number of them. But the fact that uh, this, go this government, which obviously, uh, the future government, I should say, which has a majority in the Knesset, it's a bit confusing because while the they have a now a majority in the Knesset. They haven't formed a government. So, but the uh, the majority rules in these situations. <clears throat> so, if they if they if they populate any committee, they will have the majority, and they will decide who then chairs it and who becomes uh, deputy uh, Knesset speaker. You always have to appoint at least one from the opposition. But of all the parties to uh, appoint, to go to the most extreme Arab party in the opposition, uh, certainly. 
you know, would, would seem the strangest, but it seems that deals are being made behind the scenes. Finally, I just want to talk about something which has caused quite a bit of a, 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 a rupture here in Israel is the fact that uh, a, a few days ago, the FBI uh, released that is going to be inv investigating the death of Al Jazeera journalist uh, Shirin Abu Akleh. Uh, if we remember that um, she was killed uh, a number of months ago, um, there were a few different investigations. Israel conducted an investigation and suggested that it probably likely came from uh, her death came from an Israeli uh, point, but it obviously was uh, not intended. The Americans accepted that. Even the Palestinians kind of accepted it. And everyone thought that we'd kind of moved on. Obviously, there are groups pushing, especially on the more progressive side in the US and, and, and uh, with groups in, in Europe. But, you know, we thought as far as the Americans go, that's it. And the fact that this came out of nowhere is really a worrying uh, situation from Israel and for a number of reasons. First of all, there's just simply no history of the Americans uh, calling to investigate or starting an investigation uh, into the uh, you know, uh, behavior actions of a friendly country's army. Uh, they have done unfriendly countries, even though it's not many. But don't forget, Americans have also, you know, in, in some of their wars, especially during the war on terror, and even up until uh, the current day, there have been journalists who have been killed. Uh, some of them have been suggested by Americans. So, you know, the Americans were very happy to, to let this whole situation go. So the fact that it's been brought up is, is considered very it, it, a very bad signal for Israel. Um, also, because practically speaking, there's nothing that can come up that's new. The FBI was, will not have access to IDF soldiers. They will not have access to, um, you know, the what happened on the ground. You know, the the reports it was investigated, and they had access to the report that Israel put out, the detailed report that it put out. Uh, so there's nothing really more that they can do. Uh, so this really seems like perhaps, and some have suggested perhaps it's a sort of shot across the bow uh, as a bit of a, a bow, as if a warning to Israel regarding the whole situation of uh, Smotrich and Ben Gvir. Perhaps it was just a low-level intermediate person in the FBI who decided on their own, which seems a bit strange, but that is a theory that's being put forth. But certainly it embarrasses the Americans, the Israelis, have certainly reacted very harshly, as one can imagine. Uh, current Prime Minister Yair Lapid and Defence Minister Benny Gantz came out and slammed it and said, we will not allow uh, you know, anyone to second guess our internal report uh, investigation. What it does do, however, is even if not really anything comes from it, it could influence in the future uh, an ICJ ruling on Israel's uh, conduct uh, over the green line, because you know, one of the main reasons why Israel's claimed that the ICJ has no jurisdictions, because one of the uh, the um, uh, items that they need to prove is that uh, a specific country is not able to investigate itself. Israel says, as a democracy, as an open and free liberal society, Israel has the ability and does uh, investigate itself. It has very many layers of uh, legal and judicial oversight uh, onto whatever happens in the idea. And that was something which was accepted pretty much across uh, the board. So the fact that the Americans are now saying a few months after the Israel uh, concluded their investigation, well, we're now going to look into it, could play into Israel's enemy's hands and could make 
the case for the ICJ prosecutor a lot easier if they decide uh, in the future to prosecute Israel or Israelis uh, at the ICJ. So that's certainly a worrying development, uh, but we'll see exactly where that leads. Or again, if it was just something that was put out by some individuals rather than a overall holistic po uh, policy or maybe a, 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 a sort of a hint at what's to come if Israel does not uh, adhere to the hints uh, not to appoint Smotrich and Ben-Gavir to sensitive uh, security positions. So there's, there's quite a lot to, uh, to go through, so I'm happy to answer questions about that or anything else that's on your mind. Um, and I think I'm going to be looking through the questions, so just let me have a look and to see. Uh, do you see an, an uh, anonymous attendee asked, do you see any possibility that Netanyahu would give up on forming a government if he could not keep the ultra-right electees from the sensitive ministries they are demanding? No. Um, Netanyahu will not give up. He will form this government and everyone will have to come down and uh, from their trees and they'll find some solutions. At the end of the day, uh, Netanyahu who's more interested in becoming prime minister uh, than anything else. Um, and I think as we get closer, usually these things come down to the why, because obviously as you get closer, there's leverage. However, we should remember that a lot of this political instability began be precisely because Netanyahu believed all his so-called quote-unquote natural partners would just go with him uh, as usual. And if we remember back to that first election, um, he was not able to bring in Avigdor Liebman in the end because he believed Liebman will come anyway, so I don't really need to negotiate too much, and I don't need to give him much. I'll give him the defense ministry, but not much else. Uh, and Liebman had said, for me, you know, I will only come in if the draft law, uh, which I proposed, would be then implemented, and Netanyahu didn't believe him. And at the end, he was not able to form a government. So I think Netanyahu was a little bit burned by that, I'm sure there will be a solution eventually. I do not see Netanyahu giving up. I, there is always a very small chance that he just will not be successful, but I do not see anyone from that camp wanting to be seen as responsible for going for new elections, or for them even worse would be uh, to go um, and see if Netanyahu can, uh, or, or someone else from the left of centre uh, to be able to form a government. By the way, I should say, I, I didn't say that, there has been this hint that Netanyahu is negotiating also with Gantz and Lapid to see if any of them will come across. But to my mind, that's more of a smokescreen that's trying to put pressure on Smotrich and others to give up or, or lower their claims. Um, there's nothing really serious in that. I don't think so, because uh, I think his, his you know, best, I, I'm sure Netanyahu would like to have as broad a government as possible, but I don't see them coming across and they've all denied it, but it's certainly there as an option, an unlikely option, but it perhaps does put a bit of leverage uh, with Netanyahu. Um, Murray Feldman asks, is there a ministry without portfolio that can be offered in lieu of Ministry of Defense, perhaps like education or creation of a new area? First of all, Ministry of Without Portfolio is the lowest ministry there is. It's basically given to someone who, you know, they want to give a ministry position to, but not really, or have much to do. Uh, so certainly that's not going to be education, um, which was long considered an important ministry uh, for the religious Zionist public, uh, and it still is, is, is just not at the top level. It's one down. 
uh, interior, education, perhaps housing. Those are probably the second level. But Smotrich would argue, and don't forget, we've just had a government with a prime minister of the six parties, that he is the leader of a 14-seat party. So he should get the, you know, the, the, the best of, of the ministries at the top level and education just wouldn't uh, see to it. There is talk that perhaps he could get a host of second or third level if he gives up the first. It could be that will be the solution at the end of it, but at the moment he is pretty much sticking to his guns on uh, having one of the two and at the moment his preferred as defense minister. Uh, Ruven Hoch asks if Smotrich is qualified to be the defense minister, how would the IDF leadership view it? Well, first of all, in Israel, there are no qualifications to be a minister. Uh, don't forget, if we do have Derry's finance minister, we have a minister who has been convicted, served uh, jail time uh, for financial corruption and made a plea bargain last year uh, for, for tax evasion. So one could certainly question whether that um, is a qualification for that particular ministry. But at the end of the day, we have seen a few uh, defense ministers who did not have a sterling uh, uh, idea of career, Avitor Lieberman being one of them. Um, I'm trying to think there was a very famous Moshe Aaron's of the Likud, who was considered a very good defense minister, I think didn't even serve in the IDF. So you don't really need credentials. That's one of the flaws, if you'd like, in our system, that you just need leverage and coalition negotiations to demand whatever you want. You don't have to have any qualifications. Um, uh, Barack Korkmaz asked, do you think the new uh, Netanyahu government would follow the former government's footsteps in Israel-Turkey rapprochement? Uh, rapprochement? Absolutely. Uh, and it was telling that um, uh, Erdogan uh, reached out to Netanyahu and it was released to the public by both sides. Um, I think it's in everybody's interest on the national level, both sides, uh, for this rapprochement to, ca uh, to carry on. Um, and, you know, we, we've seen uh, in the past, the Netanyahu governments and uh, Erdogan uh, governments who have worked relatively well together. So I don't think um, there'll be necessarily, I, I think that will continue uh, again because of all the interests that are in place, which we've spoken about before, continue regardless uh, who's in office in Israel. Um, Alex Brunner asks Is there any chance that uh, Netanyahu consider a coalition agreement with centrist parties? As I said, probably if he could get as much control as he wants, probably it would be easier for him to dispense with Smotrich and Ben Gvir and bring in perhaps Benny Gantz. I'm sure that is something that he would prefer in theory, but at the moment it seems less likely. I don't think he will dump the ultra-Orthodox parties because they've been very loyal to Netanyahu um, for quite a while, and they don't really give him a headache, especially not internationally, as much as Smotrich and Ben Gvir does. Um, Jack Wasserman asked, will Derry become Netanyahu's successor? Well, not, not really, no, because uh, Ari Derry is in a different party. Uh, pro, you know, at the moment, and according to you know, any polls that I've seen, um, Likud will always remain the largest, not always, but for the foreseeable future, will remain the largest party in, on the right-wing bloc. So the Netanyahu's successor will probably come from the Likud. Uh, will Derry grow? Uh, if Netanyahu leaves for whatever reason and someone else takes over the party, probably some seats will go to a lot of the other right-wing uh, parties. It could be Derry will grow. 
Derry, I don't think he was always considered the kingmaker rather than the king. I'm not sure Derry would want to be prime minister. It's a, it's a good question. It's an interesting question. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, you know, in the foreseeable future, also Netanyahu is not going anywhere uh, at the moment. But the whole question remains about exactly who could or should be Netanyahu's successor, because it's clear that Netanyahu has not really established a line of succession, even when the Likud party. In fact, when he was once asked who he could see being prime minister, asked him, he, he mentioned Yossi Cohen, a former member of Mossad, who's not even active in politics at this moment. So uh, it remains to be seen that question. Um, Robert Larrick asked, did the FBI say anything about why they decided to reopen the case? Um, no, um, there were very little details about it, just that they were going to investigate it. As I said, um, what exactly they will find new, how they will investigate, considering the reports from the case from Israel's investigation have already been released, and the Americans have certainly had access to that. Um, so, you know, maybe we'll find out in the coming days exactly how this came out, exactly why it came out. But at the moment, uh, there's quite a lot of speculation, but we're, we, we don't seem to be so sure. Um, Stephen Orlo asks, is there any possibility for Itamar Bingvir getting the public security portfolio, even in the face of strong opposition? Uh, as I said, uh, potentially, the public security or the internal security is not as uh, doesn't have as an international face as the defense minister. The defense minister has to work with defense ministers around the world and especially closely with uh, the Americans. Uh, Benny Gantz has a very good relationship at this point with his counterpart and any future defense minister would have to have maybe not the same level, but certainly a very, very strong relationship, uh, a regular updated relationship, whereas the public security or internal security a uh, minister wouldn't have to have, there, there are relationships and there are meetings uh, between internal security ministers internationally, but certainly not as much. Um, and we've actually reached the end of our time, but thank you so much, Ashley, for, for taking the questions. That was very exciting with the Spitfire <laughs> answers <laughs> there. I should get sick more often. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Uh, well, we've come to the close of our webinar and podcast. Ashley, thank you for taking time to update us this week. And for our viewers and listeners, please join us Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern for a special one-hour-long webinar with Daniel Pipes, Cynthia Farahat, and Jonathan Shanzer discussing the focusing on the bro Muslim Brotherhood as revealed in a new book. Thank you all for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day.